Hi, this is Justin. If you listen to many people talk in the church, it seems that our Christian lives should be characterized by happiness, by excitement, and by always overcoming difficulty. But this life, if we're honest, is often characterized by pain, by toil, and by suffering. So what exactly do we do with that? And what is it that we're called to in the church? And then in the members podcast, John and I have a conversation about the mission of the church and what it looks like to keep the main things the main things. We hope that this episode is helpful to you. We hope that it's liberating and encouraging to you. Stay tuned. Hey guys, there's a quick reminder. If you'd like to join Theocast and helping other people find rest in Christ, a simple way of doing that is simply by leaving us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can also leave reviews on all of our books. They're available at Amazon.com. And if you haven't started following us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook yet, that's a great way to take our content and then share it with your friends and family. To learn more about how to support Theocast, simply visit theocast.org slash give. Welcome to Theocast, encouraging weary pilgrims to rest in Christ. Conversations about the Christian life from a Reformed perspective. Our hosts today are John Moffat, pastor of Grace Reformed Church in Spring Hill, Tennessee, and myself, Justin Perdue, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church in Asheville, North Carolina. John, always good to be around the microphone with you, man. I've enjoyed our pre-recording convo today, and I am uh, I'm eagerly anticipating your pro-con um, mm-hmm. for this morning. You've recently returned from a little family getaway, and you are a Californian, mm-hmm. and you're going to be talking about things that pertain to the water and the surf. That's so right. you are an expert in this oh, yes. area and are qualified yes. to speak on it. Okay. I'm sure the listeners can't wait to hear what, what you're in favor of and what you're against. So give it to them, man. You know, this is one thing we didn't talk about, but I was talking about it last night with another Californian. You're always springing, you're always springing something on me. So do you know what tri-tip is? What kind no. of meat tri-tip is? So no, oh, no, I, okay, yeah. I, I thought you yeah. were talking about something pertaining to water sports. I was no, like, no, tri-tip. I <laughs> so when I first moved out here to the South, um, they, they also, I, I learned this recently, they also call it the California cut, but it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's a part of the cow that Californians love because it's, it's, it has, um, it kind of has a, like, a, it's, it's a lot cheaper to buy, but it has mm-hmm. like a sirloin flavor and style to it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and you don't smoke it. It's not a smoke meat. It's one of those things that you, you cook it, you kind of black, you scar the meat, you know, and then keep it. Anyways, we're just talking about California. And I just found what? out that there's a local meat market that sells tri-tip. So I'll be buying some tri-tip this weekend. And if every you don't time, know. every. <laughs> Go ahead. Every time you say California, I keep thinking, remember the Titans, like California. California. You know, like sunshine. <laughs> sunshine. Sunshine from California. <laughs> what a great anyway. movie. I know you don't like football movies, Continue. but that is that one gets a pass. Well, that one's it's Denzel, that one's okay. man. It's Denzel. Den- anything with Denzel Washington in it is at least pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, tri-tip. That's for free if you've never had tri-tip. Uh, I would encourage bonus you content to, today on Theocast. That's right, that's right. Try to, anyways. Don't uh, say we never do my, anything for you. My pro con, I am, I am. I'm gonna start with my con. My son and I, 
tried to uh we bought skimboards and we tried to do some skimboarding down at the um down in uh where we were in georgia we were right just south of savannah in tyvee and we were trying to do some skimboarding and i'm gonna just tell you right now it's a whole lot of work and not a lot of joy it's one of those things that looks really cool mm. and fun but i'm pretty sure we didn't know what we were doing <laughs> But I got, I came to the conclusion that I'm not a fan of skimboarding. And then I watched all these videos of how to do it. And I was like, yeah, I think their boards are different than my board. But I will tell you, we, I am a massive fan of boogie boarding. My kids, my, uh, my two middle, my 12 and 14 year old and I, we stayed out in the water for five or six hours, faces completely scorched and just had some of the best time we've ever had the water it was yeah. warmer in the water than it was outside of the water and yeah. uh this time yeah. of year that would be true but man we caught some unbelievable waves that were just it was one point we had all figured it out and all three of us were riding these waves into the beach and as That's a dad it was one of those things where i was like i wish i have a gopro right now just to like capture yeah. this moment <laughs> yeah exactly kind of hold on to this one Oh, um, it was on. And then no, I found, good, so my, my daughter, my oldest daughter and I were walking the shores and that we had this game, like who could find the biggest complete shell. And so mm -hmm. I, I'm like, she's coming back with these, you know, pretty good size, you know, fit in the palm of your hand. I was like, uh, uh, it's on. So I run out there yeah. and within two minutes, like, I is, see, it looks what like, what is this amateur hour? Exactly. Seriously. Within two minutes, I see this half a shell sticking out and i was like oh, i'll just see what this is and i pull out a conch shell that's completely comp like it's no nothing's cracked bigger than my hand and i come walking that's up with the it. winner <laughs> and she's like that is so not fair <laughs> so right, so back to the the water back to the water sports stuff what you're yeah. saying is that boogie boarding is all kind of fun and pleasant yeah. but oh, that yeah. there is a lot of toil associated with skimboarding yeah no joy it's the fear yeah, no of falling joy. over. See, the, my thing is, is you're skimming across the dirt and if you don't do it right, you're going to fall. And as a, you know, a man that's getting up in his age, I don't, I just wasn't excited about falling at all. <laughs> so there's that. I hear you. And then no, there's I surfing. That. John, you, Total you respect missed my all my surfers. Smooth, you, you missed my I attempt at a smooth it, transition. I saw it. I just went right past it. Man, you did. You just zoomed right by it. I mean, you didn't even slow down to look. You just like flew right by it. Um, yeah. I, I Surfing is something that I've never done, but would like to try. And I appreciate the athleticism that it would require. Yeah. Um, you know, growing up, growing up in the mountains and... of North Carolina, I just, you know, went to the beach a decent amount, but there's also not a lot of great areas to surf, you know, on the, in the like Carolina coasts and, and all that, like where I would have, or even in the Gulf, you know, of Mexico, it's very, very calm. Anyway, we will transition to what we want to talk about today. So in, in thinking about pleasantness and joy and toil and struggle and all of those things, we want to have a conversation today about real Christianity over and against what we might call fantasy Christianity uh, mm. for those fantasy football participants Come and on. fans out there. A little shout out to you. Um, fantasy football is something that I have never allowed myself to get into because I'm afraid that I would get hooked on it and it would be bad for my <laughs> life and my marriage and my family. Uh, but that's another conversation for another day. But Fantasy Christianity versus real Christianity. We live in a world that's fallen, and it's a world characterized, therefore, by suffering and by toil 
and by hardship often. It's not that there aren't pleasant things in life. It's not that there's nothing good. God and truth remain. All of that is true. Uh, There is a point to this life. But a lot of times, as human beings in a general way, and more specifically for the, the purposes of our podcast, people in the church have very unhelpful notions of what life should be like or what life will be like, and in particular, what the Christian life will be like. Mm-hmm. We've talked about things like triumphalism, you know, where, where everything's kind of happy-clappy and um, the, the trajectory of the Christian life is just always onward and upward. We've discussed those things before, uh, but today we want to talk about a realistic approach to trusting Christ and living life in the church. And we want to recalibrate expectations in ways that we think are biblical and in ways that we hope will set people free, will liberate people from a a bondage that they maybe have placed themselves under uh, because their lives don't look like they think they should look. And we, we want to just have an honest discussion and a transparent discussion about suffering and toil and struggle and pain and what that looks like in light of God and his faithfulness and the promises that he's made to us in Christ. And, and we want to think about what we're called to you know, as followers of Jesus in the church in particular. And so I, I'm hopeful, John, personally, that, that this is a conversation that is comforting to people, that is liberating for people, that doesn't depress people, but will give them an honest sincere, realistic hope in Christ, and perhaps a better handle on the things that are most important and and what we're called to in terms of our life together in the church. And I know you feel the same way. Yeah, so absolutely. why don't we why don't we start out maybe by just talking in a real and <clears throat> honest way about life in this world? Yeah. Uh, unless you have something else that you want to, to begin with. No, I agree. We've been told that um in Christianity the primary focus of the Christian life is our improvement, how we uh, become more and more, um, I guess, morally better. (laughs) Uh, So it is all about self-discipline. It's all about our relationship with God. And uh, we had a visitor at a men's Bible study last night. We were even talking about communion and how communion, common union, communion, the, the the, the very nature of communion is a communal, meaning you come together as a, as a unified community, right? Yeah. And we were having this yeah. conversation how how to have communion by yourself, which I was, I'm like, this is, this is the epitome of, of modern day Christianity, where it's how, how do I do this by myself? How do I do this on my own? How do I become the self-made man? How do I become the self-made woman where I can look back and be proud of my accomplishments? Where most sure. Christians look back and they're humiliated by what they haven't accomplished, what they haven't done, what they failed in, the amount of sin that still remains in their life. And if someone's honest with themselves, there's nothing to be proud of when you think about, you may not be as a murderer, you may not be the worst parent in the world, but there's plenty to be ashamed of and there's plenty to be guilty of um, within any, in any and all areas of your life. And then you go to church and you hear about how you need to be better. And, you, and you're just yeah. not, <laughs> you're yeah. not better. And I yeah. had this thought the other night, I was laying in bed and just thinking about politics and the presidential debate and just what a circus that was. You would and bring then, that up. You would bring I know, that up. I know. And then 
Well, then I just started thinking about the world in general. Like the United States is not the only country that's fractured right now. The world is falling apart, but the world's been falling apart for like how long now? Well, it sounds like from the garden, (laughs) from the jump, from pretty much from the jump. And we have been told that everybody has these plans for utopia and everybody has these ideas of this is how the world can be made better. And then you start wondering like, what are we doing anyways? Like, what is life all about? Because it doesn't matter what anybody does. They die. They suffer and there's pain. It doesn't seem like there's any solution that's being offered. Yeah. Yeah. I I said this before we recorded, there's a pretty good book that's been written on a lot of all uh, of this stuff that we're discussing and it's called Ecclesiastes. I would kindly commend it to people. Uh, where they could they could pick that up and read it, and and they could listen to Solomon, who was given wisdom that was superior to to any man, you know that that had lived or or lived since. You know, God gave him a unique insight into to life and and the things of this world and God and everything else. And he writes a lot like what you just said. I mean, it's he he says that. There is a, a vanity to this life. There is a toil and a struggle that's associated with life under the sun. There are so many things that happen that, frankly, are just bad, you know. And it's it's he's he speaks or he writes in a way that we don't let ourselves talk in the church a lot of times. You know, he he acknowledges that um, there are things that are just wrong and hard, and that things should not be this way, and yet they are this way. And so like, what, what do we do with that? You know, cause people a lot of times want to come in and put their hands over Solomon's mouth, so to speak, with respect to Ecclesiastes. And it's like, you shouldn't talk like that in the church. You know, it shouldn't be this way in which he's like, yeah, but it is this way. So what do you got for me? You know, and we live in a world, I, I, I want to say this maybe before we get too much further into the conversation, it, it does nobody any good to, to diminish the hardness of of difficulty and pain and suffering. No. Uh, we don't want to act like things are just easier than they are. We don't want to wallow in self-pity, but at the same time, we need to acknowledge the difficulty of the hard. And we live in a world where like, we bury our children and people suffer and cancer is a thing and Financial hardship is a thing, and hunger is a thing, and uh, sin runs rampant. And only a fool would look around and say that, yeah, things are as they should be, and all is well, because it's not. It's not yet, you know. And so we we want to be as God's people in the church. We want to be able to call things as they really are, and. I think that we all, as human beings, because again, citing Ecclesiastes 3.11, God has written eternity into the hearts of man. And so we do all have a longing for utopia, like you, you have alluded to already, and we have a longing for the epic. The problem is we so often think that that's what life should be like now, and we expect it to be that now. Mm-hmm. If we just think the right way, if we are just disciplined in the right ways, if we just get our theology straight, you know, if we just get our hearts right, you know, and get our minds right and all these things, then we can be delivered from suffering and weakness and pain and toil and struggle. And the answer to that biblically, the the response to that biblically is you have been redeemed by Jesus Christ. If you're trusting him, 
And at the same time, you, you have not been bodily resurrected yet unto you know, this incorruptible existence that will be your reality forever. That has not happened yet. Yeah. And, and so we want to be able to help people think about what they can expect in this life and at the same time, not fall off the other side of the horse into this like nihilistic, you know, everything's meaningless perspective or this kind of cynical, jaded approach where just like everything sucks, you know, and like, well, we just may as well just stick our heads in the sand because it's all going to hell in a handbasket. And what can mm-hmm. we do? That's right. Well, my kids suffer yeah. from this. If they can't do something perfect, they don't want to do it at all. Sure. And I was like, that's not how life works. <laughs> because if you can't do anything no. perfect and then then there's you're not going to do anything at all so there is this it's no, almost right. like if i can't have utopia now or if i if this isn't the design that god has for me then why care at all um you know just even that's yeah, a good yeah you know i left in his bible study last night with some of the prayer requests that were offered and um you know uh they're 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 painful they're they're really really hard People suffering course, from yeah. cancer and children that may not be, you know, viable at birth. And, you know, mm. it, yeah, it's, it's, there's just, there's, there's a lot. Yeah. So then, yeah, you know, you, you, you tell people, well, you know, we need to have faith and trust in the Lord and God will provide and all things will work for good. And, sure. and he's going to teach and, us contentment in all things and, and all that. <laughs> yeah. And, and all that's true. Right. And people go home to their quiet homes or to their messy homes or to their kids that are screaming and you know all those platitudes mean nothing well they they, John, they still I mean, have anxiety they still are suffering yeah. they're still hurt no and, and upset and angry yeah well may, if i may briefly the whole like god works all things together for good romans eight twenty eight that people just slap up on the refrigerator and act like we've now solved the problem of pain like we yeah. shouldn't we should not be you know that reductionistic and that i know you and i agree on this that promise of Romans 8:28 and all the promises by the way you know of of Romans 8:28 are eternal promises and they are they are true and they are real in terms of what God has done is doing and will do for us eternally speaking and at the same time none of those promises mean that our lives will go well mm-hmm. and it is a fool's errand for us to try to read through all the lines of God's providence to try to figure out exactly what he's doing because that's that's not what they're for. You know, for me to like look at the the difficulty and the suffering and be like, all right, well, God's working all this for good. So let me just like mine through all this and try to find the good. It's like, now I think you will exhaust yourself if you do it that way. But yeah. what you're clinging to is the eternal hope and the promises that God has made to you through Christ. And that at the end of the day, it will all be well. That's right. And I know we're going to come back to that in a minute. Keep Keep yeah. going though, man. People go right. back to their homes and they're still angry and they're still sad and they're still anxious. Mm-hmm. And what do we do with that? Yeah, uh, there was um, reading our men's groupers going through "Truths You Can Touch" by Tim Chester, which we'll we'll probably do a podcast on that here soon. He gives this illustration of someone saying, "Christ is sufficient for you," or "Christ is sufficient for you," and the mm. the single mom who is mm. going to go home to an empty house where she longs for human touch, like to be held by a man to love and care yeah. for her and to be yeah. a father to her child. And then ye, she hears you say, well, Christ is enough. Mm. She gets home and how is Christ enough for her in that moment? You know, that's, mm. that's where, that's where reality sets in. When, when, 
when a spouse dies and then you, they go to church and they hear Christ is enough. How? How is Christ right. enough? You know, and those are the things that right. basically we, we, we sometimes, we, this is the fantasy side of Christianity where we just throw phrases around. Right. And we just throw it out there and assuming yeah. that it's going to, you know, we, this is what people do when people die at funerals. They say that's the most unhelpful, unthoughtful They phrases. mean well. They mean well, but they say right. things that are frankly stupid. Yeah. But they've been trained to say the the most unbiblical things. <laughs> this is why Paul That's says true. you you weep with those people. You Amen. you close your mouth and you cry because that's yeah. the appropriate thing to do. Um and one of the things that they, we want to always do is we want to we want to solve the problem. But you can't solve the problem. It's unsolvable, right? right? It's not right. you can't fix it. And that's where Christianity yeah. thinks we have the answer for everything and there's no mystery involved. There's no yeah. um you know, and, and I am speaking from a lot of hurt and pain, and you could probably hear it in my voice because I'm so tired of seeing Christians mm. suffer needlessly when they can have hope, but that hope is being offered in a way that is so unbiblical that it, it mm. actually squashes the real hope that's offered. We are excited to announce that we have a new free ebook available at our website called Faith Versus Faithfulness, a primer on rest. And we, the host, put this together to explain the difference between emphasizing one's faith in Christ versus emphasizing one's faithfulness to Christ, and how one leads to rest and how the other often to a lack of assurance. And you can get this at theocast.org slash primer. And if you've been encouraged by what you've been hearing at Theocast, we'd ask you to help partner with us. You can do that by joining our Total Access membership. That's our monthly membership that gives you access to all of our material that we've produced over the last four years, or simply by donating to our ministry. And you can do that by going to our website, theocast.org. We hope that you enjoy the rest of the conversation. The promises of God to us in Jesus do not take pain away. Like in in the moment, you know, it, it doesn't take grief away. It does, sure, give us a framework and a filter to kind of push that pain through. But for us to think that like even saying that Christ is enough is going to make somebody feel better about the death of a loved one or a cancer diagnosis or whatever it may be is foolish. That's you know, right. It, and we're we're gonna get to like why those promises matter and and what they really are intended to do you know, for us as Christians in just a minute. But even along these same lines, John, you know, think about James chapter one, where James does tell us to consider it joy when we, when we encounter trials of various kinds because of what God is doing in us, right? Like he is, he is working in us uh, to produce really good things and, and all that stuff. And people will often cite James one and say, oh, you know, you need to, man, you're going through some terrible stuff, but you need to consider it joy you know, because you're, you're encountering trials and God's going to do good through this to which I want to say, yeah, okay, true. But James's theology in James one is a statement about the greatness of God to be able to work through pain and suffering to produce good. It is not a statement about the goodness of the trial and suffering trials and suffering by definition are bad. And the miracle is that God actually uses pain and suffering and bad stuff to produce good things in his people. Yes, but we should never is what he says. 
Right. He exactly steadfastness. And what is that? Well, it's just like it's a continued hoping and trusting in Christ and the promises of God through him. And we could have a great conversation about that sometime. But it's not as though we should invite suffering upon ourselves, that we should look for trial, that we should like pray for it so that we might be sanctified. It's like, no, these things that God uses and cause a controversy. Yeah, these things that God uses in our lives are things that we would never sign up for. Right. And again, it's a statement about his faithfulness and goodness to us, not about the fact that trials are good or that suffering is good or that death is good. None of those things are good. No. And we need to stop talking in kind of reductionistic, foolish ways like that in the church. It sounds really spiritual, but if you think about it for like five seconds, it becomes quite clear like this is crazy talk Mm -hmm. that you're just telling me that like basically, oh my gosh, my cancer is a blessing. Or, yeah. you know, that, that, that man, the, the death of my loved one is like a blessing from the Lord. It's like, uh, no, it's not. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, and, and yes, I, I continue to trust the Lord. I, I don't want to get too far mired yeah. in the weeds. No, go. you're good. You're good. So uh, I think this is at this moment where we're going to go from fantasy Christianity. Everything that's been offered to you is not real. It never can be. It never will be. And you most likely are feeling it. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that what you've been offered right. from Christianity has never delivered. And, um, you know, it's kind of right. like that. It's like that goalpost that keeps getting moved. The mo- moment you think you're going to achieve it, they just move it again. They just move it it's, again. It's like we said a few weeks ago, I, I, you know, it's Linus and Lucy in the football. Oh, you know, yeah. It's like every time you come up to kick the ball, it's just, it's just removed from you and you're, and you're on your back. That's you right. Know? That's Looking right. like a moron. That's right. So real Christianity, Christianity that comes from Scripture, that we, we would argue comes from a Reformed perspective, um, Reformed meaning that the way in which the Bible has historically been understood and applied uh, comes from this tradition that was regained during the Reformation. Um, we hold to a covenantal Reformed perspective from a Reformed Baptist 1689 perspective, and so a lot of what we're about to say comes from our understanding of scripture. And I will tell you that real Christianity, it's more, it's more than this, but if we're going to make it simple for our conversation today, I would say that the purpose of the Christian life, what you're going forward and what is offered to you, first of all, is a real hope. And I would say a sure hope. Everything that is a sure and lasting hope. Right. So everything that the Christian life is drawing you towards is not assurance in yourself and not a surety in yourself and not the assurance in your moral improvement or your uh, your performance improvement where you're performing better than you were before. But Christianity is driving you towards a hope that is outside of yourself and a hope that is not in your faith. You're not having faith in your faith, but you're putting faith in the object of your faith, which is Christ. So the entire Christian structure, real Christianity, is about the day in and day out structure that is pushing you towards the hope that is outside of your current circumstances. Uh, I don't see anywhere in, in Scripture where you are told to put your hope in your current circumstances. That, no that these circumstances cannot bring hope because we live in an already not yet situation, meaning that I'm already a child of God, but I'm not yet living with him. I'm already exactly. considered pure and holy, but I am not living in that reality because I don't have the new body that Christ has promised me. 
Right. God tells me all the time that he is faithful and that he loves me. And yet my life is just racked with pain and suffering. Like, That's how right. do I reconcile those things? That's right. If he truly loved me, why wouldn't he prevent this from happening? Why would he prevent my child from dying, from getting cancer, from this and this and this? So we, yeah. we live in that constant tension. I think we have to we have to understand a biblical worldview that's real Christianity. And the real Christianity is that God has a purpose and a will that he is accomplishing. And we don't fully understand that. That's the mystery of Christianity. We don't fully understand how God is accomplishing what he's doing because I don't understand all of the pain and suffering that goes on in this world, but no, it's not that's, needless. That's entirely right. And so this, this sure and lasting hope that we have, I mean, it it is found in Jesus Christ and in him alone, like you've already that's stated, right. that it's outside of us. It stands unchanged regardless of how we're doing or how we're feeling or what we're thinking, like Jesus Christ will carry the day. He has saved us, is saving us, and will save us. And we trust and rest in him. And the the deliverance is coming, but it's not here yet, right? And so even to think about like Paul's language that is quoted often, you know, that he had he's learned contentment in all things. It's like, well, the only way that you learn contentment in all things is to realize that there is something more ultimate that's coming. You know, or when he'll say that, you know, these light and momentary afflictions is not worth comparing to the glory that awaits us. That again is a statement about the greatness of the glory that is ours in Christ that will be our experience one day, it's not a statement about the fact that the trials are actually small. Many of them are huge. And so we we are orienting ourselves in clinging to this steadfast and lasting and certain hope that we have in Christ. And at the end of the day, a lot of times that's all we have to cling to because everything around us is giving way. Uh, you know, like we, we sing, I mean, when all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. That's that's essentially our experience. But a lot of times we're we're in the midst of stuff, bro, that's just it's really, really hard. Yeah. Well, and I will say you know? to add add to what you're saying, Justin, when I say real Christianity is about a sure hope, what people assume I'm saying is that, oh, we need to just focus in on the gospel. And if we just focus in on the gospel, we'll have that sure hope. Well, actually, I'm not saying that. What right. I'm trying to say is that your sure hope as it's handed to you is comes from outside of yourself. And right. the way that it's sustained in you comes from outside of yourself. It has nothing to do with your individual right. effort. Right. And and a lot of times, like I'm I'm tracking with you, brother. And and what I want to reiterate to people is that a lot of times, even when we talk like this, you know, this sure and lasting hope, we're clinging to Christ. It's like even in those moments my mind and my heart are all over the place. And like, I don't, I don't feel it. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not in a good place mentally or emotionally or even spiritually sometimes. And, and I'm just acknowledging the fact that I'm a wreck and that things aren't going well in my life. And I'm feeling all kinds of ways about that. And so when we say that this sure and lasting hope is found in Christ and the gospel, that does not mean that it will produce a feeling all the time of contentment within you. It That's doesn't right. mean that it will produce a feeling all the time of peace in your soul. But what we mean is, is that even when you are not content and even when you are anxious as the day is long, Christ has you. That's right. And, and he is not going to let you go. And That's so right. it's not like the gospel is this consolation 
you know, that is just going to always make you feel differently every time you think upon the Lord Jesus. Mm. Here, can I, can I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer a quote from C.S. Lewis that I think is really good. Um, yeah that speaks to, I think, some of what we're getting at. He says, quote, Talk to me about the truth of religion, and I'll listen gladly. Talk to me about the duty of religion, and I'll listen submissively. But don't come talking to me about the consolations of religion, or I shall suspect that you don't understand. Close quote. (laughs) That's good. Bro, it's so good, man. And, And that, just for anybody that's interested, that is taken from his book called A Grief Observed that he wrote after his wife died. And he wrote it under a pseudonym because he was so concerned that those who had been influenced and impacted by his writings would be devastated to see his wrestlings, uh, you know, with, with life and suffering and pain. But then later on, you know, it was published under his name. Um, It's a good read, you know, for people that are, that are able to like really look into the heart and mind of a man they respect and trust and see him kind of all over the place, you know, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Um, but even a man like C.S. Lewis, who many of us have profited from, he was not immune to the things that we're talking yeah. about because this is every Christian's experience. That's right. So one of the conversations that Justin and I had this morning, we were just talking about sports and life and TV shows. And Justin made this observation about how a lot of sports movies, they 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 depict the kind of the the 1% reality and even it's yeah. fantasized of what yes. football. So, you know, Justin grew, grew up playing football, played college football. And what what you see on TV Sunday and Saturday and what you see in movies is they they show you the the <laughs> the high points. And everybody assumes that's what playing football is like. And it's yeah. not. And if anybody's ever played sports, you understand that that's, that's like the smallest... It's- I mean, it's it's great, and why we play sports? It's very small, yeah. <laughs> but the majority of it is the grind, day in and day out, and working and and practicing, and it's all the mundane things that are not fun. They're not enjoyable. They're actually just pure pain and work. And one of the things when we talk about a sure hope, the the, the fantasy Christianity is that you show up on Sunday morning, and there's this hoopla, and it's all hype, and it's big, and it's and it's glorious and you hear people think and say i just want monday through saturday to feel like sunday at 10 a.m and they they assume somehow Mm -hmm. if they can get there by listening to christian music and reading christian books Mm -hmm. that they can live on that spiritual high and if they live in that spiritual high then the rest of their life is going to fall in line with it and that's actually what they're told on sunday mornings as well yeah and that's not the sure hope we're talking about nah bro i mean yeah, I, I could riff on the whole football thing. You know, like when you're practicing, you're you're wearing helmets that don't have decals on them. Your practice gear is very plain looking. You know, it's not shiny. It's not, you know, you're not spatted up and you're not wearing armbands. And and it's not this like rah-rah excitement all the time. A lot of times you're just like, man, the last thing in the world I want to do is go to practice. And the and the game <laughs> is not, it's yeah, the game is not as like, you know, Hollywooded, dramatic as it's depicted it's if anything more violent but it's more of a grind and and i could i could talk about that for a long time but i had a great conversation john along these same lines just to try to illustrate in another way what we're trying to get at had a great conversation with a brother in our church yesterday about his job and he's he's recently taken a job that he likes that he wanted and he said bro yeah i'm glad i've I've got this job i'm thankful for this job 
And I'm really glad when Friday gets here and I have the weekend off because I'm, I'm tired, you know, by, by the time Friday rolls around. And then we talked about how this modern notion that you should like love your job so much and love what you do so much that you'll never work a day in your life, you know, and like, that's the goal. And that's the ideal is utter nonsense because the, the reality for humans for thousands of years have been that they are toiling in their jobs. You know, the curse, last time I checked, Genesis three is still a thing, right? Mm -hmm. So like there's going to be toil in our labor and until Christ returns, that will be true. Right. And it's not, we're, there's going to be futility in a lot of the things that we do in life under the sun until Christ returns, that will be true. And so we are foolish if we think that with respect to our jobs or any arena of life, that we're just always going to be like springing out of bed every day because we're just so daggum excited to go live this day. It's like, well, you're going to have some stuff that's good and you're going to have some days that are pleasant and you're going to have things to look forward to and thank God for that stuff. And at the same time, many, many weeks of your life, you're going to look at your day planner and think, I do not want to do a single thing that's on there. Hmm. You know, and, and that's just the reality, brother, that we all are faced with. And I think we would be much helped by a perspective of, you know, we were created for the epic, but the epic is not here yet. We were created for a perfect existence, but it's not here yet. God and truth remain. And so there will be good things, praise be to his name, and I want to receive those with gratitude. And at the right. same time, I expect there to be toil. I expect there to be hardship. And I am going to aim to trust God through it and realize that I'm going to feel different ways at different times about it. And I'm going to be in need of my, where we're headed now, I am going to be in need of my brothers and sisters in the church to come alongside me, to help me bear these burdens to point me to Christ, that sure and lasting hope that's mine and that's ours, right? right. But I'm going to need people to weep with me. I'm going to need people to lock arms with me, you know, as we make our way along in this pilgrimage to the celestial city that will be epic and that will be perfect and that will be blissful. And and it's going to be awesome, but we're not there yet. That's right. So let's talk about, you've you've already mentioned the sure and lasting hope that we're called to that, you know, and, and we're also called to, like as you you put it before we recorded a fellowship of love yeah. you know in the church yeah so yeah. when you think about okay well this is what life looks like so what is what does christianity look like within this painful confusing sin struggling world the one hope that we have one of the hopes that we are given is the fellowship of the fellowship we'll have with our father and in the physical mm-hmm. presence of Christ, but also mm-hmm. the fellowship of the saints. Um, we're, we're promised of this. So w- the one part of eternity we can actually have a glimpse of now is this fellowship. It's the one part. We can't get rid of pain. We can't get rid of sorrow. We can't get rid of death. Right. Can't get rid right. of sin. And so the one promise that we do have and the one, the most important part of it is this fellowship of believers. And I don't want to say the reason I picked the fellowship of love is as the way of describing this is that there's a lot of things that we fellowship over football, entertainment, movies, people yeah. gather together and fellowship is not like a Christian word. It just, it means people gathering together, a communing over something. And mm-hmm. when we talk about Christians talk about it, we specifically mean the fellowship that is centered around love. So Paul says in Ephesians chapter four, when the, when the body functions properly, and in that functioning, 
There's the gifting of teaching and spiritual gifts, ministry, and fellowship is in there. He says, when the body functions properly, it builds itself up in love. What does Paul get at on the Corinthian church? He gets so upset with them because they're doing all these spiritual acts, but they're not doing them with love, the point of it. So uh, even in James chapter uh, two, he talks about the love that you should have for the brothers of first John. So when Mm, we talk about the purpose and the goal, yeah, real Christianity is your goal, your mission, your primary objective of, as, as a believer is the fellowship of believers for the sake of love and unity. Yeah, um, absolutely. We, we aren't told that. We're told the primary mission of the Christian is improvement, make myself better. Yeah. I, I mean, I have a number of things running through my brain right now. One just brief observation is, you know, you mentioned earlier how we kind of live our entire Christian lives seeking after that quote unquote high that we experience at 10 or 11 a.m. on Sunday. Right. And I I mean, I agree with that statement completely. And at the same time, I do think there are there are experiences that we have in corporate worship sometimes that are really great. And it's a foretaste, you know, of the of the deliverance that's coming, right? Um, right. but I wonder how many evangelicals have ever stopped to think that maybe the reason that you felt that way for that moment and you got that glimpse into what eternity is going to be like is because you were with the saints. That's right. Like you were assembled with the saints under the word, coming to the table, you know, using the means at our disposal to fellowship, you know, with one another in Christ Jesus. That's when you you were like, man, okay, this is real. Those those moments often don't happen when you're alone. They mm-hmm. typically happen when you're gathered. Just an observation. Right. But I, I completely agree with you, you know, in terms of what we're called to being to love one another in the church. You've mentioned John 13 in the words of Christ there. You've mentioned 1 John. That epistle is replete with language about loving each other. James is calling us to love one another. Paul, at many places, exalts love. You already mentioned Ephesians 4. 1 Corinthians 13 is a famous passage, right, where love is this great thing you know, that we are called to in the church and how we live together. Even when we think about Christian liberty, I mean, what is it that governs our exercise of our freedom? Well, it's our love for one another. You know, it's, we could just go on and on about how love is the banner. And in particular, love one another is the banner that flies over the church. And it, it is what we're called to in this life, to a community and a fellowship of love. We need it desperately and it is a worthwhile endeavor. So if you're sitting and you're listening, you're thinking, man, life is hard. And, and so what, what do you have for me, guys? All right, we've already talked about trust Christ. You have a sure and lasting hope that stands outside of you unchanged, and Christ has you. Also, be involved in a local church and give your life to the pursuit and the end of loving your brothers and sisters mm-hmm. and, to, and to being loved by them. Because mm-hmm. it is absolutely essential in the Christian life. And it is something that is of great value to give your life to and to prioritize. So we are not saying that there's just, everything's pointless. No, it's not. Christ is real. God and truth remain and love your brothers and sisters in the church and you will live your life well. If you make these things, you know, your, your goal and you're going to need your brothers and sisters and they need you, you know, in, in a life that is wrought with trial. Yeah, and there's I think there's there's satisfaction, there's the promise of joy. Listen to this promise from Christ. Uh, I fa- I preached this earlier last year, and it has still rocked my world. Uh, John fifteen, which is you know unbelievable passage about abiding in Christ, 
And Jesus says this, it's the only time he makes this promise. And I, and I think it's, I don't know why, you know, anyway, someone used to write a book on this one day. Jesus uh, says in John 15, 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So can you get more joy mm-hmm. than Christ has? You can't. There, yeah. It doesn't exist yeah. in the universe. Jesus has ultimate joy, right? So he says, my joy can be in you and it can be complete. And he goes, I've told you these things. This is what he says next. He says, uh, this is my command that you love one another as I have loved you. So he is making this equation of resting and abiding in Christ. And the way in which that you find joy is by taking this rest in me and loving one another. And you will have the joy that I have. Because he says, the next thing he says is greater love has no one that someone lay down his life for his friend. Right? Word. So the, the real Christianity is not your improvement impressing God, but real Christianity is you resting in the sure hope hearing it preached to you, receiving it in the word by the means of grace that are given it to you week in and week out, and then taking that sure hope and using it as your right. motivation to love sinful, broken, hurting people and finding your mm-hmm. your satisfaction in life and enjoying life by actually loving your brothers through fellowship and your sisters right. in fellowship. No, that's entirely true, brother. I mean, maybe last if, of this kind of three pronged approach that we're we're offering. We've talked about the the sure and certain hope. We've talked about a fellowship of love in the church, and finally, you know, what is it that the the Christian life is about, and what is it that we're called to? We're called to an eternal mission, a mission that's eternal. That's right. um, and all of these things are linked together because even the the fact that the mission is eternal is inextricably linked to the fact that the hope is eternal. You know, and that and that we're we're promised is an, is an eternal promise of of rest and peace forever in Christ. And like you already mentioned, John fifteen, I, I'm I'm mindful of the words of Christ in John sixteen, where he says, "I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace." And he says, "In the world you'll have tribulation, but take heart. You know, I have overcome the world." Well, what's he mean? Does he mean that we're going to overcome the world in this life? Well, of course not. He says, "You're going to have tribulation in the world. You're going to have tribulation in this life, but I have overcome it." Meaning that I, I have done everything necessary to deliver you from this, and that's coming. That's yeah. coming. Like what, what you've been called to is something that is eternal, that is in some ways beyond your comprehension, uh, but you, you, it will go well for you ultimately. One thing I say a lot at CBC is that we live from the end of the story backwards. Mm-hmm. And so we are, always, we are always looking to the end. And in God's kindness, in, the, in Scripture, in Revelation, I don't just mean in the, in the book of Revelation, though I I mean that in part, but in God's revelation in the Bible, he has told us how this ends. He he has given us a glimpse into the future and what forever will look like. And so that that we cling to as well, that this is not sincerely, this is not all there is. This is not what our existence will be like forever. We will not forever battle sin. We will not forever battle the fallenness of the world. Right now, the creation is groaning and so are we, but we will be finally delivered. Christ will return and he will make his blessings flow far as the curse is found, you know, as we sing in joy to the world. And so that, that eternality of the promise and the fact that a future and final deliverance is coming motivates us and sustains us on our mission, you know, right now in, in life, in this world, in life under the sun. Yeah. I would say the, the Bible in conclusion, the Bible is not silent on the way in which you should deliver your life. 
it's just very different than the way you've been told. You've been told that it's about moral improvement and pietism. And we're arguing those lead to despair and no hope and hopelessness. <laughs> and Well, brother, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and, and the alternative is that Christ is calling you into communion with him, with his people, with a mission and a purpose that actually matters and will matter for all of eternity. And I think that's where we should put our focus and and aim and time. Yeah. Final comment from me before we head over in the members area. Which I have a good members conversation for us. Great. You just mentioned pietism and moral improvement, you know, being emphasized all the time. I think for a lot of people where, you know, there is a hyper-focus on their discipline and on their morality and and on their feelings and affections and everything, those people would um, rightly lambast the prosperity gospel, you know, that, uh, that you know we are we're going to obey and and do certain things in order that our lives would go well now you know and that we would be blessed and that we would prosper in this life. That theology is bad, but I think we at, we at Theocast and John, you can tell me if you disagree with this. I'm speaking for myself here, but I think you agree with me. Pietism, you know, this hyper focus on our feelings and our disciplines and stuff, and this hyper focus too on our moral improvement is is a kind of prosperity gospel light. You know, it's a Mm -hmm. kind of, it's a kind of easy listening, you know, prosperity gospel in a way, um, because it is still just like the prosperity gospel, pietism and an emphasis on moral improvement is earthbound. It is, it is sadly, and like, I would say it's almost like anemic in its, in its earthbound character in nature. Like if you are thinking that the primary purpose of the Christian life is anything that happens right now in terms of you getting better or you doing better or your life just going better, then, then we, I mean, according to the apostle Paul are above all people to be pitied, you know? And, and it's, I think it's evident in a number of ways, you know, that in the church in America, in the 20th century, so much of our theology and our singing and everything is wrapped up in what happens in this life. And it ought not be that way. You know, we are trusting in Christ now for the final deliverance that he will accomplish. And it's as good as done. And so we we have peace and we have hope and we can have joy in the midst of suffering because we know the end. Mm-hmm. And so if you remove that eternal reality from this equation, there is no way to have any kind of hope or peace or joy in the midst of life in this world. There is none because depression is reasonable in this world. You know, and divorced from Christ and the promises of the new heavens and the new earth and the safety that we have in Jesus, I mean, depression and suicide would be the only reasonable conclusion. And Mm -hmm. so I'm not trying to be morbid, but I'm just, I just a thought that if your emphasis and your focus in the Christian life is anything that's happening in this world, like we, we are to be pitied (laughs) and thank God, thank God that we have an eternal hope in Jesus and we need to all remind ourselves every Lord's day that that's what we're longing for and we're living for. We're loving each other for that reason. We're, we're oh, and, looking and that for perspective, that yeah. And that perspective is not going to be popular with the world and with modern Christianity. It's absolutely not no. going to be popular, which leads no. us into our think, membership. And I think we've been clear enough to say that that doesn't mean that you just stick your head in the sand you know, and wait for Jesus to come back. No, you no, love, the exact you love your brothers There's and sisters to do. and there's you trust much, Christ much and you to do, do good. Yeah. And you do good because you know that the end is secure. That's right. There's much to do. Uh, so this is going to lead us into some current topics that have been flying around. 
um, that I know that Justin and I are very passionate about. There's been some recent news about different churches and pastors saying different things about culture and the protection. And there's even some been some movements of people who are standing in front of courthouses. And there seems to be a lot of energy being put into our freedom as Christians, what how we will and won't meet as Christians. And then the whole, I mean, there's just a lot of debate going on. And I, and I am so disappointed in seeing fracturing anger. And really, we're fighting the government as if the government is a Christian entity. And there's so much energy being put into this to where, in the end, what are we trying to accomplish? And are we actually furthering the eternal mission of Christ or are we hindering it? Hmm. I know there's a lot of mystery in what I'm saying. I'm going to unpack that a little more in the members podcast. Let the listener understand. (laughs) Take us in, brother. (laughs) Well, thank you for listening, as always, uh, to to this episode of Theocast. We don't take for granted that anybody would ever um, want to listen to anything we have to say or let alone be helped by it. If you have been encouraged and helped by this podcast, the Lord gets the credit for that. Uh, We are simply instruments of His, and we are debtors to grace and mercy just like you. Uh, we, alongside you, thank God for Jesus Christ and and trust in Him you know, for our sufficiency, our righteousness, and for the atonement for our sins. We want to encourage you to continue to rest and trust in Jesus. He is mighty and able to save you, and we thank you for uh, the various ways that you are engaging with the content here at Theocast. We are about to head over into our members podcast, and if you don't know anything about the members podcast, but you would like to know, something about it. You can go over to our website, theocast.org, and you can find out more there about our membership and what all that entails, the content that that gives you access to. You can learn about various ways to partner with this ministry to help us spread the word of the sufficiency of Christ and the rest that is ours in Him. We will talk with you again in the regular edition of the podcast next week.